Aaron, come preach to us. Let her rip. Since I'm the uh, special speaker tonight, I was considering leaving home since that's one of the privileges we have here. So I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Turn your Bible to Romans 8, 28. Romans 8. I told my wife, I said, the only thing I'm worried about tonight is just filling that 40-ish minute. She goes, are you kidding me? If you're shorter, everybody will love you, so it's fine. (laughs) So, Romans 8. As I was uh, preparing this, I was thinking, uh, this is the first time that I've ever had to bring the whole message. So, you know how they compare... They compare uh, your daily Bible reading to your, your, uh, your meals, right? And then they compare the Sunday to the dessert. So in my head, I'm thinking, well, I'm bringing the whole dessert tonight. So I, if, it, if it goes sour or something, you're going to have to go without dessert. And you'll just have to add some extra through the, through the week. So you'll have to add some extra, extra food through the week. All right, Romans 8, verse 28. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. I'm going to read it again. And we know that all things work together for good to them who that are, sorry, to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. When you're in school, when I was in school, uh, you'd have a teacher say, you know, okay, we've gotten this far and now, you know, up to this point. And they'd give you an example of what you already know. And you'd go, uh, I might need to study up on that just, just a little bit because I don't actually know up to that part, right? So this verse says, and we know that all things work together for good. Sometimes we just need a reminder that all things work together for good. I'm going to take a question that you have all heard posed to you that you've Maybe even pose yourself the, the, the all-time famous question, why do bad things happen to good people? And you're going to leave tonight and you're going to have every single answer to that. No, just kidding. Just kidding. You're not going to have the answers, but you will have some things that the Lord showed me uh, that I believe will be a help. Uh, before we get started, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this church. Lord, it's so good to see people in the pews. Uh, being one that was here when they were empty, Lord, that was, that was discouraging. That was a time of, of honestly, sadness, uh, just wishing people could be back. And, Lord, I thank you for that time that we had. Uh, Lord, it, it taught us some things. I think it was a reset button for a lot of us for church. Lord, sometimes that's necessary. I pray that you'd bless tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd take my words, use them for your honor and glory. Lord, I can't do this without you. I pray that you'd uh, help uh, my words to honor and glorify you. Lord, I pray that uh, anything on these notes that should not be said, that they would be left off, and anything that need to be added would be added to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why do bad things happen to good people? Or, you'll hear it phrased, why does God allow evil in the world? You'll also hear, in a more personal way, <clears throat> Why did God allow fill-in-the-blank in my life? Why, why is that there? Some things uh, that are on our hearts and minds as a church, uh, 
that we could ask God about. Why does Brother Faggart have all these health conditions? Why did why is God putting him through cancer? Why did God put him through cancer? Why does he have to have his thyroid removed? Uh, for me personally, why did my mom have to get cancer? Why did God allow our governor to enact a law that allows for murder of unborn children up to the point of birth? Why would God allow those things? These are tough questions. These are not these are not all easy questions. And I don't know why I'm tackling them, <laughs> to be honest. But I think the Lord wanted me to. Uh, <clears throat> this is kind of a funny story. Uh, I, w- I work from home, as many as you know right now. Uh, and right outside the window where I work, we have our scripture sign that, um, I can't think of his name, but the, the man brought from, uh, he has a ministry for scripture signs. And he, uh, we grabbed one and I put it in our front yard. Well, I was working and I just happened to look out the window and I saw a bird sitting on the scripture sign. And something said to me, that bird is going to poop on the scripture sign. And I'm like, why am I thinking that? And all of a sudden, the bird proceeded to poop on the scripture sign. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world? Why, why would God allow a bird to poop on the word of God, the scripture sign? Why would God allow that? And then something hit me and said, it's going to rain, you know. That's not going to be there anymore. God can take care of those things. I know that sounds like a silly story, but sometimes we go through we go through times like that. Why did God allow fill in the blank? A lot of people, especially lost people, mostly lost people think they're asking a really good question when they ask that. Like modern like scholars have never thought about this. They never pondered this question. But of course, we know that Many have, and the Bible does have several, several answers. Uh, we live in a world with a victim mentality, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, I think this question is going to come up more and more and more and more. So it's a question we need to ponder. Uh, Tim and I were watching a, a YouTube video um, from uh, Candace Owens. If you don't know who Candace Owens is, you should find out because you're probably going to hear about her in the near future. Uh, she was talking about um, the oppressed versus the oppressor. That's our, that's our mentality in our, in our society nowadays. The oppressed versus the oppressor. So you've got to realize that's where people are coming from when they ask these kinds of questions. Why do bad things happen to good people? All right, first of all, let's get the world's perspective. Let's get the world's perspective. Uh, I'll be honest. When I'm door knocking, sometimes if they don't believe in God, I'm, I don't always take the Bible approach right away. I don't take them to Romans 3.23 and say, well, you're a sinner, right? Because they need to see God around them. And usually I'll talk about creation. And they'll say, why should I believe in God? And I'll say, how about this? How about that blue sky? Do you know why that's blue? You know, talk about, talk about things like that. So we're going to take kind of an approach uh, I have Bible verses to back this up, and I'll mention them, but they sh- independent of the Bible, they're good arguments. Let's put it that way. Uh, and I'm not suggesting we should ever take anything independent of the Bible. Uh, why, why is the question rarely formed, why do good things happen to bad people? Why don't we ask it that way? One thing, it, I think, we don't notice it. When bad people get what, when bad people get Good things that happen to them, we don't notice. We don't take notice. 
Uh, Matthew 5.45b says, For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. When I was a kid, that end of that verse, sendeth rain to the just and the unjust, I thought that was like a negative connotation. Because, hey, rain ruins plans, man. Like, but no, it's, it's a good connotation. Meaning, he sends rain so crops can grow, right? On the just and the unjust. So, uh, that question is really formed as, why do good things happen to bad people? Next, God is outside space and time. I don't know why this one, for me, helps me kind of rein in my thoughts. Like, remember, God created everything that you know, everything that is conceivable to you. God created that. And he's outside of that. You know, you count, okay, one, two, three. We just counted three seconds, right? God's outside of that. There's no time with him. He's outside of space and time. Uh, <clears throat> there are many things in life that we just can't wrap our head around. Uh, for instance, science, creation itself, right? The earth rotates once every 23 hours, 56 minutes, and 4.09053 seconds. Uh, this is called the sidereal period, and its circumference is roughly 40,075 kilometers. Thus, the surface of the earth at the equator moves at the speed of 460 meters per second, or roughly 1,000 miles per hour. Right now, we're spinning at 1,000 miles per hour. Do you understand why you're, why you're not moving? It doesn't feel like you're moving, right? No, we can't. A lot of us can't get our head around that. I know there's scientific reasons for it. That's just one example. Uh, I don't know what many of you think of this, but I'll mention it. Laminin. Anyone know what laminin is? Anybody? Laminin is a protein that is part of the extracellular matrix in humans and animals. This is the thing that you've heard preachers talk about that's shaped like a cross, right? And like the Bible says, by him all things consist. The, this, this is how all of our cells stay together. It's, it's called laminin. So it's, it's a, basically the glue that keeps cells together. So there's, there's little things like that that you could mention to lost people. Um, things that are hard to get your, your mind around. For Christians, I thought of these 100% God and 100% man. That doesn't make sense. How can you get 100% of two different things, right? If you have 200% of something, it's generally not... You're talking about a unit. You're talking about maybe the growth of something or something like that. But God was 100% God. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. The Trinity. Can you get your mind around the Trinity? We try, don't we? We try to explain it, but it's, it's hard to get your mind around. How about the love of God? The love of God is so large that we cannot get our minds wrapped around it. Uh, you can even you can mention those things to lost people when you're, when you're talking about... Uh, when you're talking about why do good things or, or bad things happen to good people. And um, I, I think it'll help them, but one, this is actually, this next, this next point is actually kind of where this uh, message began. Uh, so for the perspective of those who are lost, you can talk about free will and love. When the question from the lost person is posed, why does God allow, whatever, evil, babies to be murdered, our governor to do whatever he does, right? When this question is posed by a lost person, what is it that they want done? 
What is it that they want? And a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of things going in our world right now, I'm thinking to myself, okay, you're protesting, you're doing this. What do you want me to do? There's no action required. You're not giving me something to do. You're just, you're just, you're just rioting. You're just looting, whatever you're doing. I don't have an answer to what to do, right? You need an action that's necessary. What do they want? They want intervention of God, right? They want God to say, this is evil, I'm stopping it, right? What does that, what does that destroy that we've been given? Free will. That destroys free will. What, what if God stepped in every time something evil happened? Free will's gone, right? He, he controls everything. Free will's gone. If you get rid of free will, you get, one of, you get rid of one of the most important things in our universe, which is love, right? Love is something that you can't stop me from doing, right? If Mr. Corey wanted me to not love him anymore, I, he can't do anything to me to make him to make me stop loving him. Absolutely nothing, right? Free will is so, so important because it's linked to love. It's linked to loving others, which is uh, the second greatest commandment, right? Uh, love is a choice. This is why freedom is so important. This is why our society is trying to replace God with government. Because if there's a free will, then we can choose to serve God. We can choose to love God. Love is a choice. So that's kind of from the lost person's perspective. How can you approach a lost person and kind of try to, again, try to answer that question? Now let's look at from a Christian's perspective. Uh, please go to Psalm 25. Psalm 25. Now we're going to start turning the Bible a lot. So get ready. Psalm 25. Psalm 25.10. So while you're turning there, I'll explain where we're going with this. So from a Christian's perspective... First of all, I think it's important to remember who God is. Who is God? Psalm 25.10 says, <clears throat> All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. God's balanced. You need to remember that God is a very balanced God. Mercy and truth. Uh, when I was putting this message together, I, I just searched Psalm for mercy and truth. And you'll see them, you'll see them buckled together a lot. God is balanced. 1 Samuel 2. 1 Samuel 2. Verse 6. This is uh, Hannah's prayer. We'll read uh, verse 6 through 8. 1 Samuel 2, 6 through 8. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. 
For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he hath set the world upon them. God is in control of everything. God is in control of everything. So we see God is balanced. God is in control of everything. Uh, I'm going to go to Colossians real quick. Don't turn there. But I'm going to read Colossians 1. <clears throat> Colossians 1.17. Colossians 1.17 says, And he is before all things, and, be, and by him all things consist. By God all things consist. So who's God? He's balanced. He's in control of everything. All things consist by him. Another thing we need to remember about God, while we're going through things maybe that are uncomfortable, or we're asking God the question, why me? Why, why did you give this to me? Remember Jesus suffered? Jesus suffered and died for us. Jesus suffered and died for us. That's the God who may be giving you something that's uncomfortable right now. He suffered and he died so that you could have eternal life. All right, so we see who God is. Now let's look at who we are. Psalms 103. Psalm 103. Verse 14, Psalm 103, 14, verse 14 says, For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Uh, we are dust. As been said from this pulpit, we're an animated dirt ball, right? Animated dirt balls. Remember who we are. We are but dust. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God, right? We're all sinners. So we're dust, we're sinners. And John 15, 5, let's turn there. John 15, 5. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, Ye can do nothing. Without God, we're nothing. We can't do anything. We're helpless, right? We're but dust. We are sinners, and we can do nothing without God. I think that's a good mindset, those, those uh, I guess, six things, but who is God and who we are, to keep in mind while you're going through hard times or you're asking the question, uh, why me or why is this in my life? First of all, also in the Christian's perspective, that was kind of the introduction to that part. So first of all, when dealing with sin. So there's a penalty for sin. Oftentimes you go through hard times, you might go through hard times, and it's because of sin. Let's be honest. There's times that we're going to go through hard times, and it's because of sin. Remember, there's a penalty for sin, right? If you're saved... You don't have to pay the ultimate penalty, but there are still repercussions for sin that God needs to deal with. Turn in your Bible to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. We'll read verses 56 through 62. 
Psalm 78, 56. Yet they tempted and provoked the Most High God and kept not his testimonies. Uh, this is talking about the children of Israel. But turned back and dealt unfaithfully like their fathers. They were turned aside like a deceitful bow, for they provoked him to an anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their graven images. When God heard this, he was wroth and greatly abhorred Israel, so that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent which he placed among men, and delivered his strength into captivity and his glory into the enemy's hand. He gave his people over also unto the sword and was wroth with his inheritance. Verse 62, I'll read again. He gave his people over also unto the sword. So there's a penalty for sin, and God will not always be long-suffering. I'm thankful for the long-suffering of God. But as, as uh, Brother Stiles mentioned this morning uh, about the, the man that he gave an example of that said, it's too late for me, there are times where God, as, the, as verse 62 says, will give his people over. Uh, let's go to Romans 1. Romans 1. That was more of a God's people example, right? This is more of a lost people example, I would say. Romans 1. We'll read verses 21 through 28. Romans 1.21 says, Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up, to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their, their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. There are, there are times with sin that God will give, give them up, as it says. Uh, Every time, now that I, I read that verse, I think of Governor Cuomo and him saying, God didn't do that when he was talking about lowering. That scares me. That scares me. Uh, what it should do, what it should do is, is provoke me to pray more for him, but I'm not, I'm not 100% sure it does that, to be, to be completely honest. Uh, so that's when, that's when you're dealing with sin. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on that because I think as we as Christians, from a Christian perspective, when you're dealing with sin, you know, you know why that thing came into your life. Uh, maybe it's maybe you need to figure out what sin it is, but once you figure that out, then then it can be taken care of. But how about when not dealing with sin? Uh, obviously, when you think of that, you probably jump right to Job, right? So we'll, we'll get there. Uh, go to John, John 10 first before we get to Job. John 10, 3. John chapter 10, verse 3. 
So I'd, I'd say this is, this is more of the, the trying to be positive uh, when thinking about why God puts certain things uh, in your life. John 10.3, the, the point under, under this is he knows our name. John 10.3 says, To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. It's, it's hard. That's, that's another thing for me to get my mind around. The God of the universe knows my name. He knows my address. He knows where I live. He's going to take care of me. He might, he might put some things in my life to maybe help me grow, uh, but he's there when I ask why. Uh, he knows our name. I'm going to read Luke 12. Don't turn there. Luke 12. Luke 12, 6 through 7, says, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. You know how many birds you, you can see on a daily basis? And God uh, knows about them? And not one of them is forgotten before God? He knows our name. Nothing happens to you. This is the next point. Nothing happens to you without God's permission. Turn to Job, the book of Job, verse uh, chapter 1. I like Job. Chapter 1, 6 through 12. Verse 6 says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall there? Man, there's, there's the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? He knows, he knows our name. Uh, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. Satan saying, Of course, of course he's serving you. Look what you've done for him. Verse 11, but put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon uh, himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> verse 11, while I was studying for this, I noticed this. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 10, I think it is. Nope, verse 11. I noticed this. Uh, Satan, let's read verse 11 again. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. You know what Satan didn't say to God? Let me take care of him. Let me go get him. You know what? I think Satan knows he can't touch us. He can't touch us. Uh, he, Satan suggests that God put forth his hand. And then in verse 12, the Lord said unto Satan, 
All that he hath is, thy, is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. He had to get permission. He had to get permission to touch Job. Or touch all that he hath at this point. Uh, that's a blessing to me. Because God knows our name. Like He mentions Job by name uh, in verse 8. But Satan does not, in this verse, does not ask permission for himself to put forth his hand. He mentions if God put forth his hand. God mentions, uh, as I said, God mentions Job's name to Satan up in verse 8. If there was a similar meeting today, and I don't know, there's probably uh, scholars that believe there is, believe there isn't, that's fine, I'm, I, I don't know. Um, if there was a similar meeting today, would God mention my name? Would God mention your name? Would he say, uh, hast thou considered my servant Aaron? Hast thou, hast, and then put in your name? I don't know. I don't know. It says, and there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. What does God say about you? 2 Kings 12. We're going to read verse uh, 1. 1 and 2. In the seventh year of Jehu, uh, Jehoahash began to reign, and forty years reigned in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Zeba of Beersheba. Uh, and Je Jehoahash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all his days, wherein Jehoiada the priest instructed him. If, again, if there was a similar thing written about you, would it say, did that which was right? in the sight of the Lord. Or, let's flip over to 2 Kings 23. Uh, verse 32, And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. So we see, we see the, I think you, you'll see that all over the kings and the chronicles. He did that which was right, and he did that which was evil. What does God say about you? So I, I'm going to take all of that, all of that, I guess you could call it an introduction. Uh, but now we're going to try to, we're going to apply it to when bad, when bad things happen, what can you do before, during, and after those bad things happen? Number one, determine it will not take away from your walk with the Lord now. So this is before, this would be before the bad thing happens. Uh, it doesn't matter what's ha what happens, I am going to do what's right. 
Let's go to Daniel 3. You guys are probably familiar with this story, Daniel. Daniel 3. This is the three, three Hebrew, Hebrew children. Ooh, Ezekiel's a long book. There we go. All right, chapter, chapter 3, Daniel 3. We'll read 10 through 18. So this is the, the three Hebrew children, and they are not bowing uh, before the, the statue. It says, verse, verse 10 says, Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the, the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, uh, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the, from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Verse 18, But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. The three Hebrew children decided before a tough time, they decided but if not, you need to have a but if not moment, right? God is going to give hard things in your life. God is going to place things in your life that you're uncomfortable with, that uh, that you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to decide what you're going to do. And this is important to do before uh, the tough time comes. Uh, I remember I went through I went through a breakup, like many of us have, and um, I was asked by a family member why why at that point? Because I feel like a, a relationship ending can be a turning point in a Christian's life, especially if they're not if they're not a strong Christian or grounded properly. And they asked me, why did you not turn from God when that relationship ended? And I didn't know what to answer. I was like, that's kind of a strange question, I thought. And I was thinking about that question, actually. I have no idea why I was thinking about that, probably because of this. And I was thinking, it was because I had had a but-if-not moment. doesn't matter. But if not, I'm going to serve God. He takes care of me. 
He is going to place things in my life that might be uncomfortable, but I am choosing before any of that happens to serve him. Job 13, 15a says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. You know, we can trust the one for our daily walk, for our daily struggles, for the daily hard times, for the daily questions that we have. We can trust him because we've trusted him for our soul if you're saved. You've trusted him for the biggest, the biggest decision in your life. You've trusted him with taking you to heaven instead of a terrible place called hell. We've trusted him with such a big thing we can trust him with something smaller. Why do bad things happen? All right, how about, uh, how about because we need to have some learning experiences? God wants to teach us some things. Sometimes there are only things that can be taught. Sometimes there are only things that can be taught through difficult times. Uh, you think about sports or training for sports. There's only certain things that can be accomplished if you are working hard. When we go through difficult times, we need to ask the Lord to show us what he wants us to learn or what unique opportunities those situations may give us. Uh, I wrote down an, an example here. This is kind of a, uh, a three-point sermon within itself, so bear with me. Uh, three opportunities that we were given due to the coronavirus or COVID-19. Uh, turn to Luke 10. Luke 10. So I hope, I hope when you go through difficult times and you think about needing to learn from it, I hope you write some things down and realize, hey, I went through this tough time, but I have this to reference that the Lord gave me. So these are just three things that, three opportunities that we were given. Luke 10, 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not, uh, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You know what we had the opportunity to do because of COVID-19? We had the opportunity to be merry for a while. What do, I, what do I mean by that? Be merry for a while. Our ministries were shut down. There was very little service going on in this church. We had the live stream set up. We had other little things going around. There wasn't much serving to be done, right? We couldn't. But we had the opportunity to be merry and simply sit at Jesus' feet, stay in your Bible, pray, get closer to God, so that when things opened up again and we could start serving again, we would be refreshed, right? Uh, being merry for a while. A lot of times we get caught up in service, right? Service is a good thing. But this virus gave us the opportunity to be merry uh, for a while. This one I wrote down, and I knew it was from the Lord because I failed it miserably. It says, 
to show others, this is another opportunity we had because of COVID-19, to show others that I trust God, not just distrust the government. To show others that I trust God, not that I just distrust the government. Did I talk more about my distrust in our government or did I talk more about how I'm trusting God for, that, for our situation? The third thing I had was to show care for others during a time when they were scared. Um, so that, that little sermonette was kind of just an example of when you, have it, when you go through a tough time and you believe it's a learning experience uh, to jot things like that down. Job 23, let's turn to Job. Back to Job. Realize God knows, God knows what's best for you. Remember, He knows your name, He knows your address, right? He's going to know what's best for you. Verse 9 of Job 23 says, On the left hand, a lot of times we only read 10, and I went back and I was like, that verse 9 is good too. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him, he hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He knows what's best for you. He's, he might be putting you through a trial, but when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. There's a song that I heard once. Uh, it's called, I think it's called The Fire. I believe it's called The Fire. The lyrics are, I've been through a fire that has deepened my desire to know the living God more and more. It hasn't been much fun, but the work that it has done in my life has been worth the hurt. The chorus is, You see, sometimes we need the hard times to bring us to our knees. Otherwise, we do as we please and never heed him. For he always knows what's best, and it's when we are distressed that we really come to know God as he is. That song was a a blessing to me. I hope it was a blessing to you as well. Uh, he knows what's best for you. Last of all, seek to help others that may have been in your similar situation. You know, when we go through hard times, a lot of the times we ask, God, what are you trying to show me, right? What if it's not for you? Sometimes we're so selfish that we think everything in our life is because I need to learn something or I, 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 right? Maybe it's for someone else. So what can we do uh, after the situation? So we covered, we covered uh, before and during. Now this is more the afterward. So seek to help others that may have been in your similar situation. Love people where they're at. We don't always know what others are going through. I'm not talking about accepting sin, but I'm talking about accepting people where they're at. A good example of this is 
the mask issue, right? We all, we all love wearing masks. Some of us do, some of us don't, right? Guess what, guys? Different people have different opinions on different things. Imagine that, right? Hey, we need to love people where they're at. If they have a different opinion, I don't know what it is about our society today. If you have to be over here on an issue or you have to be over here on an issue, right? Maybe somebody can be in the middle and think something different than you, right? I'm not, again, I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about things that are clear in God's word. I'm talking about things that, again, the mask issue or something like that. Love people where they're at, all right? Let people be people. Let them be them, right? God doesn't say, uh, you know, love others and change them to the way you want them to be and love them more, right? It just says love others. We need to love people where they're at. Galatians 6.2 Galatians 6.2 Galatians says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bearing one another's burdens. We need to, we need to seek the burdens of others, right? If we're bearing, uh, we need to bear others' burdens. But also down, it says in verse 5, for every man shall bear his own burden. To me, I think, I think that's similar to uh, answer not a fool. You know, the verse in Proverbs, answer not a fool. And then it, literally the next verse says, answer a fool. So it almost seems conflicting, right? There's, there's going to be times where you have to bear your own burden. And then there's going to be times where you need to help others bear theirs. Lastly, Philippians 2.25. Philippians 2, verse 25. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but you're a messenger, and he that ministered to my... I asked this question to the teens. I said, what do you think the next word is? And they all said need. It's not what the Bible says, right? It says, ministered to my wants. Right? The Bible talks about how God shall supply all your need. You know what? As Christians, as friends, as, as church members, we need to seek out some wants of our friends in, in our... In our uh, our church members and our, our family here, seek out some wants. Because you know what? Paul was taken care of there, right? But your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. We need to seek out wants of others. So that's, uh, that's the sermon. And I hope uh, that you see the world's perspective I hope that you are maybe better armed to answer this question that seems impossible to answer, right? Uh, and, uh, and for us as Christians, remembering who God is, remembering who we are, uh, and, then, and when bad things happen, how to handle them. God is good to us. 
God is so good to us, and yet we complain when we go through bad things, right? We, we complain sometimes when we have this bad thing happen to us. There's a reason for it. Uh, we talked about several things that could be the reason for it. Uh, and, and I hope you uh, see those things, and uh, I hope you uh, stay in the Bible and, and realize that God is good, and he, he puts these things in our life for a reason. Pastor. Pastor.